Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing to you, do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John, for... Reading God's Word. Let's give John a hand. Reading the Word this morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm Kenny. If we haven't met yet, hope to meet you uh, at some point today. I'm really glad to be with you. Um, And as we saw in the passage today, um, we're going to talk about feet. We're going to talk about feet a lot. It's going to. It's going to get. We're going to get to the nitty gritty, the dirty details of foot washing. Um, I hope you guys can hear me all right. If you can't, I would ask someone who knows something about sound to mess with it um, until we get it just right. Um, But yeah, so has anyone here ever washed someone's feet or partaken in a foot washing ceremony in church? Yeah, okay, wow. Good good percentage represented here. So you know um, what I'm talking about. I grew up in a certain tradition that had, had to do a little bit with foot washing, and um, I've been around that. I have some stories I could tell, and I'm actually going to tell one of them. Um, I was uh, Seven years ago, I was on a missions trip in Costa Rica, and I was leading some high school students that were um, you know, just getting their feet wet in ministry. Huh? Huh? All right. All right. No, no. <laughs> All right, you guys have a good week. I'll see you next week. No, I'm sure. Now, so I'm wanting to train them up. We're ministering in San Jose, Costa Rica. 
They're, they have an awesome youth group at this church that we're hanging out with, and they just want us to serve in all sorts of ways, and they wanted us to plan their youth service that night that they were doing, and um, I, I told uh, the kids in our team, like, hey, why don't you guys think of it? Like, why don't you think of the plan? What, what do we want to do with this church? How can we serve them? And then I went off and did ministry for a few hours, and I came back, and I was like, well, what's the plan? And they said, well, we want to do a foot washing service. And I said, in my heart, <laughs> why did I let you guys come up with the plan? But they were saying, no, we want to connect with the people here, and we want to say, we're not, we're not here because we know everything. We're here because we want to serve you, and there's a, there's a language barrier and all that stuff, but we just think one of the best ways to show that we want to serve them is to have a foot washing service where we wash the, uh, the people here in, in San Jose that we've come to minister to. And so I agreed, and we have the buckets of water, and the, the service is going on, and there's a little bit of resistance in me, but... Um, I decided, okay, I'm going to wash the, the pastor's feet. And the pastor was about 35 or 40 years older than me and um, had been in ministry for a long time. And you can tell he was just a sincere, sweet man of God. And it got time to that service to where I was going to, you know, have, have him sit down and wash his feet. And uh, he wouldn't, and he insisted that I go first because he wanted to wash my feet first. And I fought him on it, but he's, he's like, no, I'm not sitting down until I can wash your feet. And I sat down, and I took my feet off, or my feet off. <laughs> like, twisted my feet off. No, I took my shoes off, and sat down, and, and this man of God who had been in ministry longer than I was alive got down in front of me and washed my feet. And it was so humbling, so humbling. And yet it made me want to serve him even more, made me want to serve in that church even more. Just that experience was so humbling. And you think my face is red right now? Like, my face was red when my feet were getting washed um, by, that, by that man of God. So, so that being said, I have the ushers bringing in buckets of water right now. And uh, we got some towels in the back. Um. <laughs> oh, man. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone can exhale. I'm kidding. There's no foot washing today that I know of. Um, we're not going to wash any feet today, but we are going to talk about something that this passage brings up that I think might even be a little bit more uncomfortable for our hearts than if we were to do a foot washing today, because we're going to talk about the challenge that Jesus lays out to his people that says, do as I have done to you. See what I've done. You see that I've washed your feet. You also should do as I have done to you. What does that mean for us? We'll get into foot washing a little bit later and the significance of that culture, but what does that mean for us? Because I, I don't think that means that we have to um, uh, uh, replicate that ceremony over and over. Um, we can, um, and it's not a bad practice, but what does it mean to serve one another as Jesus served us? What if we truly, imagine with me for a second, what if we truly, what if New City as a church truly was a community of believers that served as Jesus has served us. Think about the needs that would be met. Think about, I think it's a beautiful calling that Jesus has laid out before us because it's a picture of heaven. A picture of heaven is, is where every need is met, where every heart that has been broken is healed, that every tear is wiped away that no one's hungry, no one dies, there's no disease, famine, sickness. 
Every need has been served by Jesus. And that's what Jesus has called us into when he, he, he's called us in to be a foretaste of that for the world to see. Here's what it looks like. Here's what me serving you looks like. It's when my people serve one another and serve those who have needs. So I want to talk about that today. And I, and I think if you look in the history of the church, there's times where we've done that, as a, and I mean the, the whole global church, right? If you look at the history of the whole church, there's times where we've really done that well, and there's other times where we've done the opposite of that. <laughs> we've created more needs than served. But, but over, overall, I think that you see the spirit of what Christ was talking about through the church and how we serve. In Acts 4, it talks about that in the early church, when they were rejoicing in the gospel, that there were actually no needy persons among them within the church. And why was that? It's because, um, it's because everyone, if they saw someone who had need, they would sell what they had so that they could give to their brother and sister and say, now you don't have a need, right? If they had a need, I'm, I'm gonna fix that. I'm gonna serve in that way. And when I think um, of New City Church, well, actually, I want to ask first, when you think of New City Church, are we marked by a culture of service? And I want to start out by saying yes. <laughs> I, I, as I was preparing for this, I, I think when we read this passage, there's some convicting things, right? Individually and corporately, and there's all ways that we could grow, but I also... As I was preparing, I, I, people came to mind, people in this room came to mind as some of the most humble, serving, loving people I've ever known. I didn't get to talk to a lot of you this morning, but I did tell one person that. I said, when I think of serving like Jesus serves, I think of you. You're one of the faces I think of. And I've seen that in this church. I've seen people going over and cleaning someone's house when they're too sick to clean their own house. I've seen people cook and bring meals over to people who are grieving or, or don't have the energy or can't cook. I've seen um, a whole lot of helping people move. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a younger church, right, in a city that we move around a lot in San Diego, but I've seen a whole lot of that. I've seen People helping, helping uh, others get transportation, or I've seen people buy whole groceries and drop them off. I've seen, I've seen that in our church, and I want to praise that, and I want to hold that up. And I, hold, I want to hold that up as a vivid picture of the culture of service that Jesus is calling us to. But I also want to call us to even more. I want to call us to grow. I want to call us that, that when we think of our own lives, when you think of your own life, is it marked by service? Is it marked by serving others in the way that Jesus served you? And I would say that probably, for a lot of you, probably it is. But even for those of you that it is, you can see, oh yeah, I could still grow, right? And I don't know, I think, um, I think it was Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher who uh, famously quoted that the job of the preacher is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable, right? So those who are suffering or hurting, you want, to, you want to comfort them with the gospel, and then those who are kind of comfortable and think they have it all together, the gospel is gonna to afflict that. And the good thing is that when you preach the gospel, it does both, 
right? And so my prayer today is to, to hold up what, what is good and beautiful and God-honoring that we've seen already in our culture here at, in this church and, and in each one of your individual lives, and yet... I also want to challenge us to do more. I also want to challenge us to look inside and say, what are the motivations, right? Because sometimes, anyone ever served or done an active service for the wrong reason? Right? No? No? Okay, yeah. I hit a nerve right there, you know? (laughs) I have too. Um, I have definitely done that. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But Jesus challenges his followers to do as I have done to you. So if we're supposed to do as he's done, then we have to look at what he did, okay? Y'all with me for that? All right, so what I want to do for, um, for this message is to go into a little bit of, of the passage and kind of see what it meant in that context, and then I want to focus on two main points, right, that have to do with if we're ever going to learn as individuals and as a church to serve like Jesus served, then it's going to come down to how we receive Jesus as a servant, whether or not we're receiving him as a servant to us, and then how we respond to Jesus as a servant. Those are the two main points, all right? Everyone with me? Good? All right, and I know some of you got excited because it's like two main points. It can't be that long. This is good. It's one less than usual. All right, so (laughs) let's uh, look at this passage a little bit first. So this... uh, we're in the book of John. Um, the first 12 chapters of John is considered the first half, and that's his, kind of his public ministry, everything that he's done to give glory to God and to show who he is, and he's done that in public. And then we're kind of into the second half of John at the beginning of John 13, and this is more of the private ministry. And actually, the next five chapters is conversations with Jesus and the 12 or Jesus and the 11. It's in-depth conversations. You see into his heart. You see what he's thinking. You see what he says that no one else got to hear him say because they weren't in the room. And uh, uh, John, of course, is an eyewitness, one of Jesus' closest friends who's telling us this. There, it's almost Passover time. This is the Last Supper scene, right? This is John's depiction of the Last Supper. And it says at the beginning, it makes a point to say at the beginning that Jesus knows a few things, all right? I want you guys to notice that. If you have your Bible, keep it open in John 13. We're going to stay there and, and reflect back to it. Um, and it'll be up here at times too. But it says that Jesus knows a few things. First, it says he knew the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Talk about a big moment, <laughs> right? Right? I think, I think of, um, I don't know why I just thought of Kelly Clarkson, a moment like this. Moment like this, right? This is bigger than that moment, all right? (laughs) Much, much bigger. He knows that it's his time to leave the world and go to the Father. Secondly, verse 3 says, He knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So part of that is repeating, but some of that's new information. He knows that God has put everything under his power. There's nothing outside of the authority of Jesus in this moment. And then thirdly, in verse verse 11, it also says he knew who was going to betray him. And that person, Judas Iscariot, was in the room at the table. And he knows that Judas is about to go and and betray him within a few hours. Turn him over to die. 
And the passage says he knows these things, and so he gets up and says, guys, I'm out of here. I need to be alone for a minute. This is my moment. Um, It's been nice three years, but I'm going to go prepare for the moment. No, what does he do? He, He knows these things, so he gets up. He takes off his outer robe, and he has a towel, and he gets a wash basin and water, and he begins to wash his followers' feet. Knowing what? That he's going to God, knowing that everything is under his power, and knowing who's even going to betray him. So he gets up and washes their feet, stops dinner and washes their feet. Couldn't he have asked someone else to do that? (laughs) I mean, couldn't he have maybe asked Judas, since Judas is already on the way out? (laughs) And he knows that Judas is going to betray him. Hey, uh, Judas, I got a job for you. No, he's doing something. He's sending them a message that really resonated with them, and he's sending us a message that still resonates. Part of that is because of foot washing. So in Jesus' day, uh, and, and if, you, if you grew up you know, in, in Sunday school and you already know this, just bear with me for a second because we don't all know about what foot washing was in, in Jesus' day. But in Jesus' day, it was, a, it was a common thing, especially if you go over to someone's house for dinner or for a party, that the host that was hosting the dinner would have your uh, feet washed when you came in because you're walking on streets, you're traveling on foot all day, and it's dirty, and it's dusty, and there's camel poo, right, on the, on the road. <laughs> and, and your feet are just, because you're wearing sandals, and you come over to their house, and they're going to wash your feet. But it's not the host him, himself or herself that's going to wash your feet. It's going to be a servant. And it's not just any servant. This particular chore was reserved for the lowest household servant. So this is the lowest on the pecking order is the person who gets to wash your feet when you're a guest. So Jesus, knowing everything that he knows, gets up and takes the position of the lowest household servant and washes his followers' feet. And you have to wonder, why? Right? Why? That's what you would do if you know everything? If you know that all power is under your feet? What we need to see today is 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 what Jesus is showing through the fact that, so Peter initially refused, right? But then Jesus said, no, you're gonna, you're gonna need to take part in this. You're gonna need to know what this means. And so I want to look today at this act of how Jesus served them so that we can know what it means to receive him as a servant and then also know what it looks like as a church and as individuals to respond to him as a servant, all right? Good? All right, so in the story, Peter isn't really okay with Jesus serving him, is he? Did you guys pick that up? Yeah. So what does he say at first? He says, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? (laughs) I feel like there's a moment where Peter's like, this isn't happening. (laughs) Why are the others letting him do this? What's going, like, this is our master, this is our Lord. This is the one we've been following. And he's going to, wait, what? Right? You guys feel that tension? 
right? And then, so what does Jesus say? Well, you don't understand now, but afterward you'll understand. And then Peter says, okay, that's cool. No, he doesn't. (laughs) What does he say? Lord, you will never, never wash my feet. Not gonna happen, Jesus. And then Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. You have no part with me. You don't belong to me if I don't wash you. If you're not willing to receive this act of service, then you don't get what I'm all about. Right? So then, <laughs> well, not just my feet, wash my head too. Here's my hands. I've been eating. Wash those. And, uh, well, don't want to rehash the entire story. But I do want us to look at something in the, in the fact that Peter refuses Jesus as a servant initially, right? Eventually he lets him, but Peter refuses Jesus serving him by washing his feet. And, and we don't know why. We can kind of infer. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Maybe he's thinking, I don't know how my Lord could stoop that low and how, who, how could I let him stoop that low to serve me, right? Or, or maybe it's, you know, maybe he thought that he didn't need, his feet didn't need washing. He was already clean. Or maybe it was a pride thing, whatever it may be. But initially he refused. And Jesus still serves him by washing his feet. And what I want to get to, or what I want us to see, is, is, is that in a similar way, we are prone to refuse Jesus as a servant to us. What do you mean by that, Kenny? I mean, the towel and the water that Jesus takes in this scene um, anticipate and show us a picture of what Jesus is about to do with the blood and the cross. That, That Jesus washing their feet with a water and a towel is a picture of him about to wash their sins by dying in their place. Do you guys see that? And if the thing he says to Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me because he's saying if you can't receive this, then you're not going to receive that. If you won't let me wash your feet, then you're not going to let me wash your sins because you're going to think that you can do it. You guys see that? If you won't receive me as a servant, then you won't receive me as your savior. Because Jesus says in Mark 10, I didn't come, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve, right? To give his life as a ransom for many. If his disciples in this moment are going to be saved from hell. If they're going to follow him, they're going to need to receive his grace of washing their sins. Same with us, right? Apart from Christ, you and I are sinful. Apart from Christ, you and I are sinful and we can't make ourselves clean. We can't make ourselves forgiven. 
We're like dirty feet, (laughs) but we can't wash them ourselves. The gospel, and maybe you know this, I hope if you're part of this church, you know this, (laughs) but I also know that we need to hear it again and again and again and again, okay? So bear with me for just a second. The gospel is that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The gospel is not that we can save ourselves. You guys know that? The gospel, we can't earn it, and we don't deserve it, and we can never pay it back. It is purely a gift of undeserved grace. As much as a service and as much as out of, out of our blowing our minds as it was for Jesus to be washing Peter's feet as a servant. I have Ephesians 2, um, four verse, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, and then verse 8 and 9 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. For the next one. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. The message of the gospel is not that we get good enough for God. We don't get good enough for God to like us and then invite us into heaven. I feel like, I know that there is a cultural view that you know, sin doesn't really matter. It's not a, it's not, well, there's a cultural view that sin doesn't exist, right? That it's made up, right? Sin doesn't really matter. Just do your best to be a good person and be who you are. And God loves all without noticing sin. But if that's true, then why did Jesus need to die in order to save us from sin? Or there's another cultural view that, well, I know I've messed up, but if I do enough good things, or if I keep from sinning again long enough, or if I feel bad long enough, or kind of punish myself, then I'll make up for it. But that's not the gospel either. If you could atone for yourself, if you could make yourself righteous before God, then why would Jesus come and die for your sins? There'd be no point. You guys see that? It comes down to whether or not we're able to receive Jesus as a servant. When we don't receive him, here's what we're doing. We're prone to either minimize our sin Say, my feet aren't that dirty. I don't need to be washed, Jesus. Or we're prone to minimize his service. I know I'm dirty, but I, can, I got this, God. But I just want to remind someone today. The gospel is not that you can make yourself clean. The gospel is here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. The gospel is here to say, hey, you're dirty and you need washing. 
but you can't clean yourself, and I've come to do it. Do you guys see that? We're never going to be set free to really serve like Jesus served us until we receive him serving us. Until we believe as a church and as individuals that I'm here right now and I can stand here fully free from sin, not on my own merit. I can stand here fully loved and accepted by God, not by anything I've done, but by everything he's done. Amen? It's only by the cross. It's only by him washing my sins away with his blood on the cross. Amen? Amen. Amen. We'll never be clean if he doesn't wash us. It's only by his grace we are saved. So first, we've got to receive Jesus as a servant to receive his grace in our lives. And secondly, what does it look like to respond to Jesus as a servant? Second point, we're already there, all right? Everyone still with me? What does it look like to respond to Jesus as a servant? What does it mean? Because after all, Jesus' main point is not just washing their feet. He's not just doing this to be like, hey, you guys smell, right? I'm trying to eat here. <laughs> no, he's, he's using his actions to make an even bigger point about how his followers should live. What does it look like to follow Jesus? He doesn't just want them to receive him as a servant, but he wants them to replicate him as a servant. Let's read those uh, verses 12 through 17. And I apologize if I don't have this up there. I'm not sure if I do. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Remember earlier he said to Peter, you don't understand now, but you will afterward, right? So he finishes, and then he says, do you understand? He's going to explain it. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. If I've washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Don't just receive it, replicate it. So, now if the ushers could bring in the water, we're going to um, do that. Sorry, I, I've got as much uh, use out of that joke as we can get. <laughs> There's not foot washing today. Okay. Well, I heard a, that. <laughs> but we're definitely called to serve each other like Jesus served us. Amen? Amen? We should definitely be marked by a culture of service as a church. Would you, would you say that? Would you agree? Yeah. Would you say as a follower of Jesus that he has called us to live a, a life of serving others? Yeah. 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 I want to read a verse, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. There's one of the passages in the New Testament that shows us what it's like to live this kind of humble, serving life that Jesus has called us to. It says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as significant as yourself. Did wait, did, y did I mess that up? 
Count others almost as significant as yourself. <laughs> no, it's still wrong. Okay, yeah. What is it? I know there's resistance to even say that, right? <laughs> Can we, is it okay to say that? Like, is that word right in the Bible? Yeah. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The beautiful serving that Jesus has called us to is full of humility. It's full of considering what other people need, not just what we need. Not just me get mine and then I'll give some of the extra, but considering what do other people need and considering other people more significant. Serving in ways that inconvenience us, ways that humble us, Serving when we get absolutely nothing in return. Being known for how we serve. I don't know about you guys, but one of the biggest things that gets in the way of me serving in that way is my own schedule and me feeling like I'm too busy to stop. Anyone relate to that? I would help with that, but I've got this, this, and this, and this. Jesus didn't say, do as I've done to you unless you're busy, <laughs> right? Unless you have plans, unless you have something booked in your Google calendar, then do as I've done something. No, do as I've done to you. Serve in an outrageous way that doesn't make sense. But how do we do that? <laughs> how do we do that? Because, uh, and, and some of you have... Do, some of you do that, all right? I'm not, I'm not um, trying to shame everyone and say, no one's serving around here. We got to get together. and That's not what I'm saying. But how do we serve in that way, that humble and in that way? Because I don't, I don't know about you, but me, I don't wake up on Monday like super stoked to be like, I'm going to consider everyone as more significant than me today. <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, coffee, <laughs> now. <laughs> and uh, actually, I have a, uh, a little story about that. Um, I make coffee um, for my beautiful wife, Hannah, every morning. And uh, actually, that's a lie because I make coffee for myself. <laughs> and uh, I just can't drink the whole French press. And so whatever's left over, <laughs> I give her coffee. <laughs> and... Um, God kind of made that, that part clear to me um, many months ago. We were having an argument, and uh, I mean a discussion, uh, <laughs> and, right? And, and, and I, there was some, I don't even know what we were talking about, but things around the house or something that I wanted her to help with um, that, wasn't, that wasn't happening. And in the, <laughs> in the middle of the argument, I said something to the effect of, but I make you coffee every morning, right? Well, you guys immediately knew that was a bad idea. I didn't seem to at the time, but it just flowed up out of my heart, right? But was I really making coffee for her every morning? Especially if that's what came out of my heart, right? Or was I really making it just to serve her? Or was I expecting something in return? You guys see that? 
Like, hey, you owe me. Hey, I made you coffee. <laughs> We're all happy because I made coffee. No. <laughs> was I really serving her for her? Or was I really serving her because Jesus has served me? Or was I just serving her for myself? <laughs> or serving her for some kind of leverage I could get? Right? Do you guys see that? Judging by the silence in the room, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All you married people know what I'm talking about. Some of you have a gift of service and you love to serve. And I've seen it in this church and you serve with humility. And then also we've got, sometimes we're challenged to serve. We're challenged to be humble. We're challenged to, to serve people that we don't agree with. Some of you love to serve all the time, and, and some of you find it hard to be in the same room with someone who has a different political view, much less serve them humbly. I read in my Bible that Jesus knew Judas was about to betray him to death, and what did he do? Get it down. He served him. What does it mean to serve like that? I was preparing. I was thinking, we have this thing. A lot of you guys have seen it, takethemameal.com. You guys seen that? You get those invitations. And we've had a lot of opportunities to serve people in our church recently. I was just convicted because like one or even two of the last ones, I didn't even, I didn't volunteer. It's just something that easy that would fill a need so simple. And I saw a lot of people did, but I saw a lot of blank slots too. Why? Why? That's a need of my own brothers and sisters in my own church. Praying over this message brought me just to repentance. And the other night I was praying and I just began to weep at how much God has loved me and how much I've just treated his grace like something I deserved. When I don't, none of us do. None of us do. He has loved me when I don't deserve it. And he's called us to serve in this way that seems impossible. And how can we ever do it? Because I can tell you right now, we can't. We will never do it on our own. We will never serve in this way on our own. We'll be too selfish, we'll be too busy, we'll be too focused, we'll have schedules. Or we will serve, but we'll serve for the wrong reasons and we'll serve for other people's approval or we'll serve for God's approval or we'll serve so we'll get a favor in return or we'll think, oh, someone else will take care of it and then not check if anyone did. Or we'll think, oh, I'll pray for you and then not stop and pray for them right there in the moment. We'll never serve like Jesus served us until we see how he served us in the gospel. Until we see that he became a servant to save us. And he saved us to make us servants. Do you guys see that? The perfect judge of all the earth allowed himself to be a convict and to serve a death sentence for you. Yeah. 
and for me. The king of heaven left his royal robes and became naked and humiliated on a cross for you and for me. The Lord who deserves all worship and all allegiance got down on his hands and knees and washed his followers' feet. Do you guys see that? When we see how beautiful it was that he served us and the degree and the depth to which he served us, sparing not his own life, but laying it down for us all. When we see that, that warms our heart. That's the only thing that's going to change us. When we see how much we needed it and how much overflowingly he brought grace into our lives, that's the only thing that will turn us and say, what can I do but to serve humbly? What can we do together but to be known for acts of service so that this city and so that the world would know those people follow Jesus? That someone could say, I don't even believe in Jesus, but I know those people follow him because I see how they live. Ding. I'll take that as God's affirmation. In that word. And it won't be in your power, and it won't be in self-interest, and it won't be to get anything back, and he won't say, but I made you coffee, <laughs> right? You'll say, all I can do is serve you how Jesus served me. All I can do is show you the grace that Jesus showed me. The creator laid down his life for me. So I can, I can get down on my hands and knees and serve you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Jesus ends this passage. Says, the servant's not greater than his master and the messenger's not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And when we see Jesus as the master who died for his servants, so that his servants could truly live, then we can do as he has done to you. Then we'll serve radically in a way that confuses and confounds people around us. Then everyone will know that we follow Jesus because we have that love for another. Then all the take them a meals will be taken, <laughs> right? We'll not only serve the people we like, but we'll serve the people we dislike and disagree with. will be marked by lives of service. When Jesus knew it was his moment, he served. And now that we know how he served, it's our moment to do the same. And uh, as we serve, we're going to be motivated by God's grace, empowered by the Spirit. And Jesus says, now that you know these things. See, earlier he said, you don't know what's going on, but you will. Now you know these things. You'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus knew some things, and so what did he do? He served us. Now that you know these things, you're going to be blessed if you do them. Amen? Amen. Let's end in prayer. Right? Say a word of prayer. The band can come up and prepare.
I want to say a word of prayer, but um, just before I do, uh, I want to read some verses from Isaiah uh, 52 and 53. And so if you would, um, however best you concentrate, whether you close your eyes or um, just imagine and, and listen with me to, um, to these words. And uh, then I'm going to pray and um, give a few instructions. But This is a prophecy about Jesus, the suffering servant made hundreds of years before Jesus lived. Says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely, shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. That's, that happened when he was on the cross. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. I'm going to skip a few verses. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I could keep going, but I just wanted to read a passage, Lord, that describes in vivid detail how you served us, Lord. That by your wounds we are healed, God. That we are forgiven, Lord. That, that our sin and our iniquity and our guilt and our shame was laid on you on the cross, Jesus. And Lord, we take a moment to remember that as a church. We take a moment, uh, whether believers are here or non-believers are here, to look at you and say, you are the only one that saves us, God. And that this guilt and this shame that we have from sin, you took it on yourself and you paid every last bit of the debt that we owed. And we did not deserve it, and we couldn't even predict it, but you loved us before we even thought of you, and before we were even born, you thought of us, and you were willing to die for us. When it was your moment, you didn't, when you had all the power to do whatever you want, you didn't turn from this way of serving us, but you served us, Lord. God, I just, I just pray that that word will go out. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, for their heart to be warmed, for their faith to be awakened, God. I pray that, that sins would be repented of, that people would turn from sin and turn to you as a savior, God. God, I pray for, for a faith to be 
warmed up and fanned into flame, maybe a faith that's been dormant in someone here who's been part of our church for a long time and they've just been going through the motions and they've been faithful, but it's not been there on the inside. God, I pray that they would be awakened this morning in the power of the Holy Spirit as you and you only can do, God. God, I pray for illumination in our hearts and minds of, of, of any sin that's in our life that is holding us back from truly taking hold of your grace and truly being washed by you, God. We would turn from that. I pray that you would bless us. Bless us as a church. Let the gospel warm our hearts to serve one another and to serve this city with more than we could ever do. It's only by your grace and it's only by the power of the Spirit, Lord. We love you and we thank you so much. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen, amen.